The most recent uh, sermon that I preached was from uh, also, also the Book of Romans as well. And back then, I was talking about the Lord's uh, judgment upon the world, starting from verse 18. And I talked about the first wickedness that the people of Israel committed was not was going was going against uh, the holiness of the Lord. And there was no problem with the context of the sermon. But I think uh, I misinterpreted the, 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 the Greek text back then. Back then I said the first uh, word was a participle, and then it was an adjective. But it turns out both of them are just uh, nouns. So there was a little bit of a misinterpretation. So I thought it was a noun and then an adjective, but it turns out it turns to be just uh, two nouns. But so if you were, if you guys were confused in that part, then I, I apologize. But uh, the reason why I said there's no problem with the with the sermon is because many. Uh, uh, people and the, and the doctors in seminary schools also interpret it in the same way as I did. So the, the, the interpretation has no issues. Anyways. Anyways, now in this season, our church and Pastor Kim, we're, we're rearranging the, the timetable that God has set for us. And we're just thankful that God came back to this church through the Book of Romans, and He also showed us His dominion through the pandemic that spread throughout our church as well. And after this pandemic ha- happened, uh, the timetable timetable has been reset uh, in this church. And I'm sure, according to that timetable, uh, when the time is right, the unification of the two Koreas will happen as well. And now, of course, uh, the righteous ones have to be set as leaders, as the leaders of the of this country, in uh, the government and in the politics, and also in the economy as well. And the reason why that has to happen is because it is for it's so that God can can continue to rule over this nation, and that this nation will not fall under the the influence of the Antichrist. And uh, even if I don't is explain it, you guys all realize how wicked the, the world is becoming. Uh, when you look at the news, even if you compare the current news and the news of two or three years ago, the crimes that are being committed, uh, the level of wickedness that, that is, is going on in the world is, is already in a different level. Recently, I saw news 
of a of a car accident, and it was a, a truck that had uh, was carrying um, a couple hundred gallons of, of beer or some sort of liquid. And another car came in and and uh, hit this car from behind, and so all the liquid spilled over. And it turns out that person was just uh, driving drunk. That's why he, he rammed his car into that, that truck. And also a lot of cyber crimes are happening recently. People are hacking each other's accounts to, to take their identities. And so what I'm trying to illustrate is how much the world has changed over the years. And with our own very eyes, we're seeing how wicked the world has become and is becoming. So, in a world that has no righteousness, and for the remnants to continue to hold on to the word of God in this season and in this age, and remnants are those who are willing to, to, to acknowledge God as our Savior and as, and as our uh, Creator in this age. And the only way we can maintain this kind of relationship with the Lord is to uh, continue to focus on Him, even if our surroundings become completely dark. But what are we waiting for right now? In the end times, according to Zechariah chapter 5, the woman uh, trapped in a jar of Ebot will, will, will escape, and that is the spirit of religion escaping into the world. And right now, our church is in a time where we're, we're trying to escape the grasp of the spirit of religion and Babylon. But in the end times, the big of biggest fight that we're going to have to fight is to fight against the spirit of religion, against the great prostitute. If the remnants are not victorious in this battle against the great prostitute, then, it, then, then he is going to come and tear uh, you apart. And many people think uh, to be a Christian means just to accept Jesus and whatever else you receive doesn't matter because as long as you have Jesus, you are saved. But as we know, our, our, our mind, our whole mind and our emotions, our knowledge, intelligence, it is all based upon the things that we receive. And so it is really important to eat the truth after you have uh, met Jesus. And this truth cannot be compromised. And that's why we have to put our lives, uh, give our lives for this truth. And now, uh, as you know, the, the fate of the remnants uh, will, will not be uh, easy in the end times, especially. So what the enemy is going to do is he's going to uh, completely uh, what is it? In integrate the whole uh, the, the religions of the world together. 
중요한 거 아니겠지? 중요한 거 아니겠지? And uh, so the, 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 it is very crucial for us to be aware of what religion is in this. In the... 뭐라? 누나가 누나가 받아. 우리 남아 반동으로 그들이 시를 했거든요. And because once, because when a door is opened by the Lord, it cannot be closed by any other. Even though this church was always persecuted, this door that God opened was never closed for them. And that's why they were they were able to rise as a glorious church. So that means that God is going to give His remnants the ability to do His work even in the midst of these difficult times. So those who are holy will become holier. The pure lamb will rise. They will be able to endure through these persecutions and tribulations. Because in the midst of, even when the presence of God is taken away, the church will still be able to utilize the power and authority that has been given to it by God. And that's why even uh, when the pandemic hit, hit and even when the government restricted uh, us from being able to come together in worship, we still lift up our worship in this church because that is the authority that God has given to this church. And this authority is only given to those churches who have this door open to them. And the, 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 the essence of that is for us to rely on the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because this church has the indwelling Holy Spirit, that's why we're able to, uh, to, to live the worship and stay together even though there's so many external tasks. And as you know, when, when an innocent blood is shed upon a, on a land, that blood becomes a curse and a binding to that land. Because, that, because mankind has the authority over uh, authority to rule over the land of this earth. And uh, likewise, even though, uh, so because there are still remnants scattered around the world, the, the presence of God is poured upon those places that the remnants are. But there will come a time where the presence of God is completely taken uh, away by him uh, on this land and in that time only those who are who have lived by the indwelling Holy Spirit will be able to maintain this kind of relationship with him in Revelations uh, Revelations talk both of, of uh, encouragement and also of, of, of uh, discipline and the most important building, the most important place in Jerusalem is the temple, is the, is the, uh, the, the sanctuary. 
And so, when Israel does well, God God encourages and God blesses that sanctuary. But when Israel does bad, the first the judgment is poured upon the temple first. And when we read in Revelations, as soon as the trials and the tribulations come, God will open up the heavens to that temple so that His people can continue to worship Him. And in that worship, the heavenly hosts, the heavenly assembly, the righteous ones, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, will all come together in that church to, to, to come together in worship. And the, tw- 20, the 24 elders will also come together in worship as well. And simultaneously, Simultaneously, the word of God will also uh, judge the whole rest, the rest of the world. And so, the biggest uh, task that has been given to us by God in the Book of Revelations is to maintain this holiness and, and the glory of your worship in your churches. That's why we have to continue to defend the truth and defend the church. And what's next is that because we are able to to continue to maintain in the the glory of the Lord, we do not fear death anymore. And so we do not, when when, when it comes uh, time for us to be persecuted or or to become martyrs, it is not done out of fear, but rather just like uh, Deacon Stephen, we will see the doors of heaven and we will see the glory of, glory of God in the, in, even in the midst of those, uh, of those trials. So in this decade, God has given us the task of gathering and harvesting His remnants of the world because He needs uh, the number of remnants in the Gentile churches to be filled in order to uh, move on to the next phase. And that is explained in chapter 9 to uh, uh, 11 or 12 of of, of Romans. And as you know, the book of Romans uh, functions as the structure, as the bone structure of the gospel. And it also talks about uh, predestination and selection. God predestined us to be holy and blameless even before creation. That's why it's called predestination. And so, whenever, when anyone, so all of us are, are are made in the image of God, and He has given us His image as well. That's why all of us have the ability. Uh, that's why all of us are predestined to become holy and blameless, to become like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and 
It's like being put on a treadmill. <clears throat> as soon as you turn on the treadmill, you automatically start to run towards uh, your, your goal. And that is uh, kind of like what God has done for us when He gave us, gave us His image. And so the important thing is God, that God rules over this world. God rules over all creation. So when you have this faith, uh, it means you're on the right path. It means you believe that you, we have been made in the image of God, that He has given us the role of His royal priests. So I'm going to mention this over and over again. <laughs> so, the structure of Romans, uh, the introduction goes from chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. I'm talking about the whole book of Romans here. And verse 18 of chapter 1 talks about, starting from verse 18, talks about receiving the law of the Lord. And chapter 2 talks about judgment and also the righteousness how we have received this righteousness from God. In chapter 4 and 5, talks about uh, uh, the righteous ones who are written in the Old Testament. In six to eight, chapter 6 to 8, talks about sanctification. So the overall story is that uh, God created man to have this fellowship with man, but man turned away from the Lord, and that's why He sent His Son to to save these people, so that they can become uh, come back into this relationship of love with Him. And it doesn't just end there. God. Uh, select them and predestined them to become holy and blameless just like a son. And right now, uh, the firstborn sons, Israel, uh, have, have been taken away from the Lord's main focus. But uh, that is only until the, the number of the remnants in the Gentile churches are filled. When that is filled, Israel will return as uh, return in their role as the firstborn uh, in God's family. And then in the last chapter, it just talks about the personal greetings, and Paul concludes his letter there. So the gospel of God is, is the story of His Son and His love for, for, for us. So I'm going to explain the, the text that we're, we are going to be looking in today. Verses one, verse 1 talks about uh, Paul's identity, his greetings to the people. And he explains the reason God has called him. And the next part, he talks about Christology. 
the, the, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And uh, as you know, Christology is not is not even though it's a uh, kind of an intimidating theological word. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's already a message that we are very familiar with. So, and there is that. And verses 8 to 13 talks about his reasons for going to Rome with this gospel. And verses 16 to 17 uh, talks about his reasons to, to continue to spread this gospel to the Gentile churches. <clears throat> So uh, many, the, the, many, many churches around the world, uh, they get the, the message of Romans mixed up because they think that once we have been saved, we are always saved because God's righteousness remains in us. There's a saying in the Marine Corps. They say, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine, even after you're retired. So they think of this as they think of salvation in the same way. Once you're saved, you're 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 saved until the the end of your life, no matter what you do in between. The problem with that is people then do not do not do not uh, work towards completing their salvation because they think righteousness is just given to them and that's it. They don't have to uh, do anything from then from there on. If the gospel ended there, then the the uh, the, the sacrifice offerings that were given in the Old Testament will be meaningless. Back then, you transferred your sins to the, this goat, and then you sacrificed that goat before the Lord and offered him to the Lord so that your sins would be erased. But God never said that that was the completion of our salvation. In Isaiah 6 7. King uh, Ushaya dies in this in this chapter, and uh, Isaiah relied on this king, and that's why he was in despair. But in the midst of that, he was he was able to encounter the Lord, and he realized something. And he remembered that. He remembered that with this uh, polluted mouth, he had to speak the word of God. And that's why when he was praying to God about this and repenting about this, God sent an angel to... He says, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. 
So uh, God could all, God was able to erase the, the sins of people uh, by sending angels to cleanse them, in the, even in the Old Testament. Next, in Mark 2.5. So uh, the story here is that people have been bringing those who are sick and those who are ill before Jesus so that they can be healed. And when Jesus met this paralytic, he didn't say, uh, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to heal you so that you can walk. No, the first thing he said is, your sins are forgiven. And as soon as his sins were forgiven, he was able to uh, rise and walk again. Next, in Luke, Luke 7, 48, a woman appears in this, in this story. Uh, and again, Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. So if, uh, if, if, if it was true that once you're saved, you're always saved, then Jesus would never have, have had to uh, bear the cross for us because God always had the power to erase our sins, in the, even in the Old Testament. So there was no reason for him to come and make the sacrifice for us. And th that theological um, statement is very dangerous because it takes away all desire that we have to, to become like Jesus, to become like Christ. And our church, we really focus on chapters 5 through five through eight of, of Romans because it talks about how we can become like Jesus, how we can restore the image of God that has been uh, given to us. How a son can become like the father. <clears throat> so the important thing is to completely restore and complete the image of God that has been uh, given to us. The completion of His image, the Bible says, is, is the predestination that God has made before He created us, for us to become holy and blameless, to become His holy, uh, His, His priestly kings. And as you know, in the Old Testament, the position of the king and of the position of the high priest was very, was very important. And none of the people who lived in the Old Testament had, were able to, uh, to, to have both the role of a king and, as, and the high priest. Even King David, who had this close relationship with God, he wasn't allowed to build the Lord's temple because he had blood, blood on his hands. So God could never allow the, the task, uh, the role of a king and, and the high priest to be given to one person. So the, when you look into the, uh, the Old Testament, none of the kings and none of the high priests were given both roles. 
But through the book of Hebrews and through what Jesus did, that both of those roles were given to his remnants, were given to those who have, have been saved. And when we look in Revelations, God ultimately calls us his holy bride, <coughs> his holy brides. So that was the structure of Romans and for today's text. Now we, will, we are going to start uh, the sermon. Uh, Romans 1.1, 1, 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. It says, a servant of Jesus Christ. So a servant, uh, when we think of servant, we think of a, a, a cruel master, uh, always forcing the servant to do things against his will, like, like kneel before you and things like that. But a servant in, in, in the biblical times, God said, God even called Israel his servant. <laughs> In Isaiah 43.10 says, You are my witnesses, says Yahweh, with my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before he before me there was no God no God formed, neither will it be uh, will be after me. I myself am Yahweh and beside me there is no savior. I have declared I have set, saved and I have shown and there is no strange God among you. Therefore you are witnesses, says Yahweh, and I am I, and I am God. Uh, thus says Yahweh, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon. I will have sent to Babylon, and I will bring all of them down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ship of the rejoicing. So, so a servant is not just uh, a, a, a person that you, a person to, to do your bindings, to do your work only, but is but had a different meaning back then. Because when uh, the relationship that we have with God, when He calls us His servant, we are not His slaves, but rather God needs to work through us. And so He also uh, 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 attends to us as well. And so Paul, he was called, called as a servant of, of Jesus Christ and also was an apostle. So when we say apostle, uh, it's like saying an apostle's role is to become like an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You speak and you are a speaker and a representative of the kingdom of God. And it says that Paul was called to be an apostle. So this calling is important. 
So there's three elements in, 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 in this calling from God. The calling of Jesus Christ. What is uh, the calling of Jesus Christ? That's the completion of our salvation given to us by Jesus Christ. We need to continue to uh, strive towards until we have reached the completion of the image of God given to us. And so when it comes to calling, it is important who has called you. In most cases, in our faith with God, we wonder what, what God has called us to do. God, what should I do? It's a very common question that we ask the Lord. And many people come to Pastor Kim also and ask him, what should I do? What is my vision? What is my, my end goal? Am I to study well so that I have many options? Maybe. But uh, the more important thing is knowing who has called you rather than what you have been called to be. Yeah, we have all been given this calling of Jesus Christ. And because we have experienced His love, because we have seen His glory, we are more than willing to give our lives for that which we have experienced. And so everybody in, that comes to church is, is a disciple of God. And the gathering of disciples is what we call church. And that's the common denominator between all of us. But on top of that, there's the different uh, callings that God has given to us, whether you are, whether you are an apostle, uh, a prophet, uh, a doctor, a, a pastor. We differentiate in, in that part because God has called us to serve in different ministries. But the common message and, and the common calling that God has given to all of us is to spread His gospel. Can you, do you understand me? Then that's it. Uh, so we're not, now we're going to look at the synonyms of the word calling. So right, just now we have talked about the, the calling of Jesus Christ. And what are we to, to do with this calling? It's uh, it's nothing because he has done everything for us it's a gift given to us so all we have to do is believe in the promises that he has given then naturally uh, God is going to form us and, and restore us into being holy and blameless so God has already done all this for us and he has given us this promise promise and this and this truth so all we have to do is choose whether or not we're going to receive and believe in it so it is it is not a matter of effort so let's just skip over the complicated parts and move on uh, it says he has uh, been called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God he, being set apart also has the meaning of being uh, named, being appointed. 
So we can say that Apostle Paul for, for the kingdom of God has been set apart and been appointed as an apostle. And that's why he is, he is uh, stuck with the Lord. He, is, he has been stuck with the Lord. So in the end, for the gospel, uh, God has called Paul as an apostle to be set apart for him. So Paul has has spent a lot of time uh, learning the, the, the law of the Lord. And even even before meeting Jesus, he lived a very he lived very passionately and faithfully before the Lord. Even even when he was persecuting the Christians, he thought he was uh, his actions were justified because he thought he was serving the the Lord in the right way. And the reason why God has sent him, set him apart from that life uh, is because he, need, he needed Paul, a man like him, to spread his gospel. That's why his life was changed in this way. But, but if you live a life outside of the gospel, I'm not talking about going to your jobs or working in the world, but when you are living within the gospel, when you're in retrospect, every person that you need, everything that you did, you should see the work of God through uh, in, in all those instances. And this is a matter of the predestination that we have talked about before. Because God's predestination for us, His promise for us to become holy and blameless and to become His priesthood kings. And so all the decisions and and every instance in our lives, if we're living within the gospel, should be done according to uh, the the overall picture of God. So now let's move on to verse 2. The gospel He promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the, the, the Son of God did not come just out of uh, just all of a sudden because he was bored or something. But every but but it was uh, prophesied beforehand through his prophets. He has already uh, promised us of the Savior beforehand in the Old Testament. <clears throat> when we look at the overall structure of Romans, we we read Romans with the basis of all the all the no- things that we know about um, the the other books in the Old Testament, starting from Genesis. According to Pastor Kim, he said that God has chosen not to know whether or not we are going to sin. If God knew that we are going to be corrupted, then He could have set some 
precautions. But that, but that means in the end we do not have free will because he knows everything already. He knows everything that will happen in the future, that everything that we're going to do. So there's no true freedom. It's, in Psalms, uh, I didn't hear what chapter, but there's a great, there's a huge uh, mistranslation. In one chapter, uh, Psalms 139, it says, uh, the, the verse is supposed to say that God knows the words that, that will come out of our mouths even before we speak them. But uh, the Korean translation, I think it says, God just knows everything that I'm going to say. So it's, it's a mistranslation. The reason why I'm talking about this is because David knew correctly that God was uh, omnipotent and omniscient. And he goes as far as to say, Lord, would you test me to see whether or not I am I'm holy before you? But the funny thing is that um, when he asks the Lord to test him in this way, he's kind of saying that the Lord is not all-knowing anymore. And so does that mean God turns on his uh, omniscience on and off? So even though God is all-knowing and he has the power to know everything, he, he chooses not to know. And if he knew everything from the beginning, then he would have given this promise of restoration that the, 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 this predates the nation to us before uh, he created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the, the reason why he gave it to mankind afterwards is because he did not know, he chose not to know that, uh, this, that, that Adam was going to sin. So there was a professor called John White, and he he was one of the people that was able to es excavate the, the the Ark of the Covenant, and there were remnants of, of blood on on this covenant, and so he scraped off the blood and went to one of the the, the labs in Israel, which he had a friend over there, and he asked the people to to do some research on the this on this. Uh, on this blood, he said, "Can I know what what? Can I know everything that you can can make out of this this blood?" And so, even so, because it is dried blood, uh, the people said uh, that that's not going to work. You cannot get any data out of dried and dead blood. But he said, "Please just do it for me." And so they created 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 an environment for this blood uh, that is very similar to a living body to to try and get anything out of out of this blood sample. 
And so they did that for 72 hours. They, they created a, uh, an, an environment so that this blood can maybe, maybe, uh, theoretically come back to life. So uh, in ge generally, uh, after blood has been shed for a long time, because all the blood cells that are within that, 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 that within the blood is dead, you cannot get any data out of it. Uh, he still persisted. And so the, the research lab did the, did the experiment and he came back after the results were in and he asked the people, the research team, what this blood, where did this blood come from? And this, the, the people said this is for a fact human blood. But the funny thing is they were able to detect uh, the, the number of chromosomes within the blood sample. And the funny thing was, there was only 24 chromosomes, whereas it is there, in, in a normal blood sample, there's supposed to be four, 46 chromosomes, 23 from the mother and 23 from the father. So when you, when, when you bear a child, a person needs to have 46 chromosomes in total. That's the normal amount of chromosomes that you should have. But this blood sample only had 24. And uh, for, for in, or, in order for it to be a girl, uh, both the, the, the mother has to give the X chromosome and the father has to give the y, uh, X chromosome as well. So XS, XX is the, is the makeup of a, of a, of a girl. But this blood sample had the Y chromosome in it. So even though there was no father in there, it still had that one Y chromosome in order for it to be a, a man. And so the research lab was baffled and asked this professor where this blood came from. And so this professor said this, that this is the blood of Jesus Christ. This blood cannot exist uh, biologically. But uh, it exists, and it exists for us, because God has promised and He has delivered. I'm not saying we have to be intelligent. I'm saying that all the promises of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is true. If he said that he's going to do it, if he promised us, then he will fulfill his promises. The problem in this equation is us. Are we willing to continue to believe and receive? The gospel keeps reminding us that what God has promised, he will deliver. So let's move on. Regarding his son who has who, who as to his early earthly life was a descendant of David. Uh, it also can be translated as uh, who according to the flesh. And this word flesh is also is of course sarks. In Hebrews 2.11 it says, uh, Hebrews 
Sure, 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one, for which, because he is not ashamed to call them brothers. John 1, 13, 14. John 1, 13, 14. So uh, we're just e x p l a i n i n g the importance of why Jesus was, had to come in the flesh. In John 1, 13, 14 says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Word became flesh and lived among us. We saw His glory, such glory as of the, of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, God sent His Son in the flesh, in Sarks, so that He would become fully man. Because he was, the give, he was given the great role to become the ultimate sacrifice for mankind, and so He needed to become equal to them. So Jesus came in order to die for us. But if He came as a God, then He could not die. And that's why it is a problem. There are, there are many uh, theologians in the world. And a lot of them actually do not believe that God was fully man, that He did not come in the flesh. And in, in Revelations it says, all those who do not believe that Jesus came in the flesh uh, are sided with the Antichrist. And because, that is because ultimately they do not believe in the love of God. That, the, that God would be willing to, to, to sacrifice His own Son for those, for those that He loves. And these people, they're confused because they try to understand God in their own ways. What they, what they, uh, they debate saying that uh, the person that died on the cross is actually Simon because when, when Simon was helping Jesus carry the cross, they switched places. So that's one of the theories that they came up with, the reason why Jesus was able to, that, that he, was, he died, that a physical body died, was because he switched places with Simon. But the issue that comes with that theory is, then what's the reason for him to come? What's the reason that he had to come on this earth if he was not to die for us? And if he did not die for us, then what... What about our sins? Is our, are we still uh, cursed by, this, by, by, by the price of our sins? Pastor Kim said, if you cannot meet the, the human Jesus, then you cannot meet Jesus as, uh, as our God. Because the love that is present with, uh, within the triune God incorporates every aspect of Jesus. And when we're within the, this dynamic relationship with Him, we can continue to experience Him, and we can understand and receive His love. When we were sinners, when we were corrupted, when we were enemies of God, 
just sent his son so that he can save us from that fate so that we can become holy and blameless if you do not believe that Jesus came and did this for us then, then how can you experience the love of the Father this is the reason why God could not help but send, uh, send his son for us because mankind has fallen into sin, has fallen out of the leadership, the, 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 the true order that God has created them in. And what the enemy does is, is they take away the crucifixion from us. They make us think that, that, that God did not die for us. Because only when, when Jesus dies, are we able to escape uh, the influence of sin? Can we get out of paying for the pri paying for the prices uh, of our sins? <clears throat> the reason why we can kill ourselves is because Jesus Himself died for us, and that's why we can nail ourselves on the on the cross next to Him. He has to die in order to resolve all these issues, to, to resolve the issue of sin. Jesus has to die on the cross while bearing the sins of uh, the whole history of humankind. But when we try to understand the love of the Father through our, uh, our, our limited human minds, that's when we put him into this, this, this frame. And uh, we start to get... Uh, deceived and confused about his will. And they start to question whether or not God is truly there because if there was a God if God existed then how can the word world fall into such chaos and, and wickedness? they think that God is powerless or that he does not exist. But on the other hand, if on the other hand, if God forced us into, into living a holy life, then our, our freedom of will would not be present. We would just be robots that are programmed to do whatever the master says. So that's not a loving relationship either. And God wants us to voluntarily, voluntarily love Him. That's why He gave us uh, this free will. And He has invited us to experience His divine love. But we were, but we were in a state that we were unable to receive that love, and that's why He sent His Son to come and resolve this issue for us. But if we forsake Jesus, then this love uh, becomes null. Is there anything that is fake within the Lord? Because he is not man and because he cannot sin, God does not lie. So was Jesus uh, made in a special way then? Second, 
하나님은 하나님이 사랑한다고 주님이 가진 사람밖에 할수 없는 When God says He loves us, does He give us a second-hand love that is that is outside the 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 relationship of of the Triune God? No. When He says He loves us, He gives us His love fully. When He gives us, when He says He give, He is going to give us glory, He gives His own glory to us. And the reason why He gave us His Son is because He loves us. Because he wants to adopt us into his family. And when we do not, when we do not look at the image of Jesus that is within us, we cannot experience his love. When we do not look at the Son, we cannot look at the Father. The reason why he adopted us. Is because he wants us to become like Jesus, because he wants to love us, uh, because all three uh, faces of God in in this in this triune dyna- dynamic wants to come and love us. That's why he gave us these promises, and that's why he wants us to be holy and blameless, so that we can fully receive all this. We need to receive all this by faith. I can only explain uh, in words like this. Uh, it's very difficult to explain. Verse four, and who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is Jesus uh, Christ our Lord. And the Spirit of holiness is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And the reason why he was able to resist the, the, the temptation of sin was because he fully relied on uh, the Holy Spirit that was given to him. And we are made because, if uh, since we are made in the image of God, if we choose to live by the Holy Spirit, then uh, our our destination is going to be holiness. This is this is what salvation is. But people have put so many different things into the, the equation of salvation: their own desires for success, uh, for blessings. They put so many conditions into the salvation. Uh, that God has given them, that it has taken away its true meaning. Can you understand what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to explain here? God wants to make you like Jesus, and He show He wanted to show us how He loves His Son. That's why He sent His Son to to Earth. To become an example, a model, a spiritual model for us. And all the power, all the authority, all the grace, and all the blessings that Jesus received while he was walking on this earth is uh, is set as an example, because we can also receive the same things from the Lord when we're when we're living uh, by the Holy Spirit. 
예수님의 그 사랑을 우리가 불지어지키는 하나님이 주신 예수님에 대한 사랑과 우리의 사랑이 우리가 큰을 끝이 작지 않다. But as nothing is, many of us think that the love that God has for His Son, for, for Jesus, is different from the love that He has for us. But no, that love is exactly the same because it comes from the same Father. In Hosea, it says, Gomer was a very adulterous woman, and it is a woman that cannot be loved. But through the grace of God, Hosea was able to see his wife Gomer as a holy, as a holy bride. And the reason why he was able to see the holiness that God has given to Gomer, even though she was such an adulterous woman, is because he did not see her in her in his own perspective. But he was able to see her through the perspective of God. He was able to see her being, her 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 true being. And that's the kind of being that we are before the Lord. When we mistake in the love of God, we think He loves us all in different ways. He, we think, oh, the Lord blesses that person because He loves that person more than He, he loves me. But no, we are all we are blessed by the Lord because, as a being, we have been called by the Lord. And I continue to say that there is no, uh, nothing is fake within the Lord. And so, even when He calls us His son, His sons, His His children, His heirs, He even goes as far as to say we are also gods like Him. So why can't all, uh, we all be like Jesus then? Why are we different from him? It's because we have not lived uh, the, the, the way that he has lived. We have not emptied ourselves. We have not relied the Holy Spirit as much as he did. So depending on how much we're able to live, uh, live by completing the, the image of the Lord within your, within your lives, uh, during your time on this earth will, 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 uh, will result in the glory that you, you will receive on that day when we, when we are meeting the Lord, when all of us are meeting the Lord in heaven. <clears throat> and so if you live on this earth uh, without striving towards that goal, and if you continue to live wallowing in your bindings in, in, while, while being oppressed by the enemy, still holding on to your bitter roots, then the glory that you will receive on that day will be limited as much as you have not uh, lived that kind of holy life. So that is the danger of thinking. That is the danger of uh, uh, thinking that 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 you're once you're saved, you're always saved. Because ultimately you're saying that you're different from Jesus. You're different from others. You're saying that I'm too weak to listen to the word of God. I'm too, too, too broken to receive the gospel. So 
Nowadays, uh, uh, people are very obsessed with MBTI's uh, personality tests. But the reason why those tests cannot cannot be fully correct is because is because God has given us this new equation that weakness is strength. So, so for us, those personality evaluations, those test results, cannot be a hundred percent correct because we live according to the promises that God has given to us. So we are bound to be transformed. So, so what personality you have, what characteristics you have, does not matter in the end, because if you believe who you are, then that decides your identity before the Lord. So if you serve God in the correct way, if you have received this, this, this calling from God, then the direction of your life will be decided by the Lord. And that, that, that direction is to share the glory that God has given to you to others. And the reason why He called us is because He wants to share, for us to, sh uh, sh to, to He wants to share His glory that He has experienced to us. <coughs> Let's move on. Uh, starting from verse 5, uh, Paul talks about his relationship with the Roman church. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. This relationship starts from him, from through him. So it starts from God. So when we take God out of the equation, it doesn't work. Only when we're in Him can we receive grace and uh, this calling. And the goal, goal for this calling, the reason for our calling, the reason, the goal for our calling is, is for us to to to. Uh, to continue to raise up the name of Jesus in this land. It's for His glory, for His faith. So that was verse 5. In the perspective of the Lord, Jesus comes between us and God as the, great, as the, the, the high priest, as the advocate. But between the Gentiles and, and the Jews, between uh, Gentiles and Israel, God chose Israel. And that's why, that's why God has given them the authority of, of the high priest as the firstborn on this earth. But it is the same for the church. In order to, to, to bring the salvation of God to the world, God has given the church His, His, His uh, authority, His power. And in the end times, God is gathering His remnants. 
in order to gather the remnants of Israel, he is first gathering the remnants of the Gentiles. When the, when the number is filled, the, the roles will change. And then when, we, when the remnants, the number of remnants in the, in the side of Israel is filled, then there will be this uh, network that is created between the two, two sides. And this, ta- this, this role of, of, of being uh, uh, his priestly kings was not given to anybody in the Old Testament because nobody could have that, have that uh, title before Jesus. But Jesus came holding that title, and we were given the same title after he has... Uh, after he has sacrificed himself for us. And that's why we are called priestly kings. Now let's move on to verse 7. Or let's continue looking at verse 5. The essence of the gospel is to believe and, and, and uh, to live by faith. There is no other perspective that we can talk, to, talk about when it comes to the gospel. And you are also all among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. That is the calling that has been given to us. And in verse 7, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So even loving our brothers is, is not done through our efforts, but we love one another through the love that God has been given to us by God. And that's why Jesus said to the apostles, do you love me? And they said, I do. Then you are to feed my lamb. Paul also said something similar. He said, if you have received the gospel through me, then you must preach it to the others. The reason why we hold we hold conferences in Costa Rica, in Honduras, in Israel is all the same. The reason why we we send out missionaries, the reason why we do this ministry in the first place, is all in this order. So we can see that Paul was chosen first and Israel was chosen first. And we are all given different roles to play in this ministry. Some of us are apostles, some of us are prophets, some of us are caretakers, some of us are teachers, and so on and so forth. But if you try to take on a role that has not given, that has not been given to you, then you're going to have a very difficult time. If you are, are uh, 
no matter how much you try to become a good drummer, and no matter how good of a, a drum you buy, if you if you cannot keep in beat, uh, then you, you cannot become a successful drummer because you're not you do not have those talents. You're not made to be a drummer. In the same way, all we have to do is receive this calling from the Lord and and just obey His calling in order to to be to be happy and be successful. And when somebody else is doing well, when somebody else is able to uh, uh, enjoy the blessings and talents that God has given to me, if you feel if you feel envy and jealousy, and if you are upset because of that, then that is because you still have these scars, you still have these wounds within you that have have not been touched by the Lord, and that which hinders you from being able to accept the gospel fully. And all authority comes from heaven. It is given by God. And why does He give us this authority? When He chose Adam, He showed Adam all the animals. And all these animals had, had, uh, were, were made in pairs. And later on, when He created uh, Eve, from from him, he ex- he knew instantaneously who she is and what she was, what she meant for him. During that time, nobody was higher than Adam. He was. He had the highest authority because he had the image of God. He was the only being that had the image of God within him. So why does it say that uh, this authority was given to Adam and not to Eve? Is this unfair? Is it unjust? This is a very simple principle. I spoke about this to our youth. And I was uh, teaching a class to him. And I'm still teaching this class. It's, it's an ongoing class, so I'm not going to spoil everything over here. The logic of the world, if the logic of the world cannot understand why this is fair. Why do you think people accept evolution? So even even though it's wrong, why do you think they accept it so easily? It's because they they think it's fair that everything came from uh, from one source and that um, everybody's made in the same way. But we know that God created the universe first, and then He put man there, and He put, gave this man His image, His authority, so that He can rule over uh, all of creation. 
but evolution goes uh, completely contradicts the order of the Lord because that is exactly what the enemy wants to plant into our minds he wants to disrupt the order that God has created us in order has to be present even in the world when you set rules and somebody breaks that rule you need to go and get that person so that they can pay uh, the price for uh, going against the rules but order has to be set up in the world or else it's going to fall into chaos and what order should be set up the, the order of God needs to be restored so the order of God is like this he would first choose Israel in order to save the Gentiles he would choose Adam and give him authority so that Eve can, can uh, become his, his partner and through Adam she can grow and mature in, his, in her spirit but the world says the, 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 the logic of the world is the weak need to, to work hard to become better and the strong need to be oppressed one of, one of the smart kids kid, uh, said while well, I was teaching this class that all of human history is, is about warfare when the weak attack the strong that is when history is made and the reason why these communist countries these, the, the, the countries under socialism were able to become democratic countries was, was because these, the, the, the lower caste people uh, went against the government and they were able to take over and that's why um, democracy happened it, it logically makes sense but we know that that's not true because uh, these countries were freed in, within the will of the Lord Jesus himself became humble became man for what? for us he did it in order to save us that is the order of God and that's why when we're called by Jesus, we're also called to be a church. Because Jesus is the head of the church. And that's why when we receive this calling from Jesus, He would call us to be a church, to be His body. And we receive the same things that He has, he has received. So, verse 7 talks about the church in Rome. And Paul realizes his love for, for a group of people, people that he has never met before. Because his love comes from God and not from himself. And this love is the source of life that we live by. And the reason why he has given us this authority in, 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 in all eras, in all ages, is because he wants 
us to, to continue to experience His love. Because we are not just one, one, of, one of His methods, but because we are His goal. Well, that's why it's not important what we are called to be, but who has called us. That is where our focus should be. To, we are called to be His holy people. And in order to become His holy people, God has, gave us, God has given us His Holy Spirit in order to, 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 to make us holy. So let's move on. The church in Rome was not a church built by Paul. It was a church of Gentiles. And after, uh, after receiving these trials and tribulations, they were able to mature spiritually and become powerful enough to influence the, the rest of the Gentiles. And Paul wanted to visit the church in Rome in order to receive offerings to, to fund his trip to Barcelona, to the Spanish area. So, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. Because the church does everything through Jesus Christ. That's why uh, this church can become an influence all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit, is preaching the gospel of His Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. The gospel of the Son is the gospel of God, and the gospel is to, to proclaim the name of Jesus upon, the, on, upon this world. And also he says, uh, my witness, how, how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. God, Paul wanted to emphasize that he, he has kept the, the Roman church in his prayers at all times. And in verse 10, and I pray that now I last by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. So uh, from this verse, we cannot tell whether or not Paul has a method or has a way of going to the Roman church at the moment. But Paul was a man of God, and so it was important for him to receive the will of God before doing anything. So he's waiting for God to give him the sign to go to uh, this, the church in Rome. And the reason why Paul wanted to receive the, the will of God beforehand is because he is a servant of God. And that's how a servant serves his master. First of all, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. So this is the inspiration that Paul has received, the reason why God may send him to the Roman church. He wanted to strengthen that church. And in Romans chapter 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts that uh, the power is mentioning here. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it also talks about these spiritual gifts. Let's go to verse 12. 
the reasons for his trip to Rome. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So while we intercede for the conference, or maybe after coming back from a mission trip, no matter who stands before you up here, no matter what kind of testimony they give, all of us, we, we can all sense that God was present. God is present within that, that testimony or within that message. And the words that they speak, we can all tell that is proof of the Lord's existence and the proof that God has touched that person during uh, in that experience. This child may be speaking out of their own experience, but the people listening can receive strength from God. And the, per- the speaker can also receive grace through those who are listening to him. This uh, this kind of synergy or this kind of uh, relationship is is formed in the church, and that is one of the reasons why uh, God has created the church in the first place. Verse thirteen is the last verse that talks about the reason why He wants to visit the Roman church. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I have planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have among the other Gentiles. So the reason why He has planned, and and the reason why He has been prevented many times, is because God has not opened uh, a path for him to visit this church yet. (laughs) But when the timing is right, according to God, when he opens a path path for Paul to visit this church, then he will surely see the fruits that have been bared through this ministry, and he will be able to harvest them. And we don't know what kind of fruits, what what we will harvest through the conference that was just held in Central America. But the only reason why we went there is because God told us to go there. And since it was done according to the will of God, we we can be sure that uh, we will bear fruit in that place. So the last section starts from uh, verse 14 to 17. I am obligated both to Greeks and not Greeks, both to the wise and foolish. Paul is not in debt to them. The reason why he's obligated to, to them is because he has received salvation from the Lord and he has received this love and gospel from God and so he has this obligation to to, to spread this love spread the glory of God to the, 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 the Greeks and the Gentiles and uh, all the apostles and all the prophets that have come before us all had this obligation to the gospel and 
even after Jeremiah uh, make, made a declaration that he was not to speak the word of God anymore, this, this gospel continued to burn a hole into his heart until he obeyed. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Uh, the, the gospel needs to be preached. It needs to be heard by the people. And it's the same for, for everybody here. The more you come to worship, the more you can listen, the more you can receive through the gospel, even if it is the same message. Because we are growing, we are maturing in spirit. Until we can reach the level of Jesus, we are bound to have to have to uh, uh, level up and become much uh, uh, and to grow in spirit. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel has the power to bring salvation. That's why it is so important for us to, to spread it. And first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The reason... Uh, I, talk, I talked about the reason why um, the Jews were selected first before. This, the world thinks when, when everybody has the same, there will be no prejudice or there will, no, there will not be any uh, injustice anymore. But that's not what, it mean, that's not what equality is. True equality is is that everybody has is given the chance to receive this gospel. And we need to live and act in faith, or else when we live and act out of our, our own our own standards, we will always be met with our own human limitations. But when we, when we live in faith, our limitations are completely broken. Lastly, verse 17, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The, the gospel has the righteousness of God in it. And that righteousness says that you have not sinned. That means we can become, we, we have the right, uh, the privilege to come before the Lord because we are sinless before Him. But let's, when we go back to talking about corruption, when we do not have this faith anymore, even though the blood of Jesus is, is constantly within us, it is constantly purifying us, we, always, we only focus on it, we only utilize it when we think we have sinned, when we have fallen out of grace. <clears throat> and there's a saying in Korea that blood is thicker than water, and that, that means 
you know, uh, your, 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 your family, those who, who you, you're blood related to are, are closer and are more important to you even if they betray you. So a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. This is the, 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 the progress of going from sanctification to glorification. So uh, Romans talk about righteousness. Uh, Hebrews talk about faith. And, uh, and the last hour, which talks about uh, the life that we have to live uh, in this faith and in this righteousness. And when we believe in this, when we have faith, we, uh, we can mimic the likeness of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the word that is written in this book. The problem is within our faith. Are you willing to ride on this gospel? Are you willing to fully uh, uh, surrender yourself to the gospel? So, now in this time, we have spoken from the from chapter one of the book of Romans. And the important thing for us to remember is that we should not have any any struggle uh, when it comes to our calling to this church. Now is not 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 the season for us to to be shaken, because those who are holy will become holier, and those who are wicked will become more wicked in this season. So we do not have the the leeway, the 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 time to spend time in the in between going back and forth these two aspects. When you're in high school, uh, you have to decide what major you're going to take, what path you're going to take in the future. And uh, it's, it's quite late for you to decide what you're going to... Uh, we, are, we are like those who are in the senior year of high school. It's, there's no time for us to have conflict in what we're going to what we're going to learn, what, what path we're going to take anymore. It's time for us to decide which path we're going to take and walk on it. And you have to choose, are you going to stand as the remnant of God or are you just going to be uh, any, uh, are you just going to choose to become a common believer? But like I said before, only those who are willing to become the Lord's remnant will, will side with the Lord in the end times because the rest of the world, the rest of the believers, the rest of the churches are going to side with the Antichrist and the great prostitute in the end. And those who choose the Lord, those who choose to be His remnants, will walk on the path of righteousness and holiness. And this decision has to be made uh, in, in you. No, none of us can evade this, uh, this, this, this choice. 
A desire to meet the Lord and live by Him is given to us once we're saved. And those who still have that desire and passion for the Lord are the Lord's remnants. Because now is a, is a clear time for, for this separation to happen. If your faith is weakened, then you must not come to this church. Because now is a season where the Lord's encouragement and also His judgment is being, uh, His discipline is being poured upon us. We are preparing, God is preparing us to go into this time of judgment. So I'm not trying to discourage you guys. I'm trying to illustrate how great this calling is that God has given to us, the calling of Jesus Christ, the, God, the calling of becoming His church, the calling to be His priestly kings, His gods. No matter how healthy you are, the, the most you can live is maybe maximum 200 years on this earth. And now that I'm getting older, I'm, I'm, I'm able to uh, sense these kind of bodily limitations that, are get, uh, that come from age. So this body will, will rot away at some point. But the important thing is that the time that we spend on this earth decides where our spirit is going to spend its eternity in. And what is the promise that God has given to us? What is the predestination that He has given to us? Is that He wants our spirits to be holy and blameless. So right now in this time, I think this, I think the message of second service is, is I was able to preach in a clearer way than first service. But I guess... Uh, I guess we'll see after we have gone into prayer. But let's sing a song before we we pray for where we pray with the sermon. While preparing for this message, I had a lot of this, a lot of these thoughts. Just how much God loves me. God loves me so much that He loves me the same way that He loves His, his uh, Son, Jesus. And of course, God probably, probably loved, his, loved Jesus more than, he did love, more than He loved Himself. But that same love is coming towards me. And that same love is, pouring, is being poured upon this church. And as we live our lives, at times we long for more comfort, we long for more security. But when we look back, we realize that everything was done for a purpose. That God wants to raise us in His, uh, to raise up, raise us up as His remnants uh, in the most glorious way. And that's why all these things happened. Even in times that where we, we, we cannot comprehend His will. God has been confirming His love for us through Jesus Christ. 
how was Jesus able to 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 hold, be uh, uphold this kind of kind of fate, kind of destiny? What does God see in me that He is willing to give this kind of gospel to me? What did he see in me that he was willing to pour his love to to to, to give me his image? How was he willing to pour out his his complete love upon us? These were the kind of thoughts that I had regarding my 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 calling while preparing for this message. So right now, just check on yourselves. Where are you facing? What calling are you chasing after? What direction is your calling facing? Right now, if the calling of God is within you. Then, would you once again, in this time, once again receive this calling from God, renew it? Because if this calling has truly come from God, then this calling is always renewed. It comes to us in a new way every day. So, Lord, would you come and help us check uh, this this part? Lord, who is help, help us to see who is calling us? Help us to see where we need to face, what direction we need to walk on. More than anything, Lord, would you help us to receive and let us hear your gospel once again, so that nothing will come in conflict with the gospel within us, so that we can we can strive towards spreading this gospel to the world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, especially that we are able to conclude the two weeks of intercession and conferences. Thank you so much for bringing your 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 great victory upon these uh, great spiritual warfares. Would you let your remnants continue to hold on to the spoils of war that you have given to us, and let your miracles, and let your signs, and let your acts of deliverance and healing uh, all be revealed through your remnants, and continue to bring us to uh, another great victory. Help us to stay alert each and every day, and protect over uh, our team over there in, in, in Central America right now. Would you continue to pour your encouragement and comfort upon these people? I pray for the offering that is lifted to you today. We live while belonging to. We do not live by our possessions because we are your possession. So would you let your abundance flow from us into this country, into this nation, into this world? Let this blessing flow upon your young church. And would you fill our offering baskets and pray uh, and bless your servants and remember their service, their sacrifices.
in which you bless uh, all the church, <coughs> the church members who have come together in, in heart to uh, pray for this conference. Let them become the source of blessing to those who are around them. Now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and the holy love of the Father, and the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, be upon those who have received the calling of God, the calling of Jesus, and those who are willing to live as His holy and priestly kings. Let it be upon their families, upon their churches, upon their children, upon their inheritance, upon their businesses, upon Zori Ministry, and upon Zori Yerbang uh, Church, and upon uh, all the conferences in, in Central America. May this blessing rest from now until forevermore. Amen.